0: and ...items that fill newspapers and newscasts, is an agenda of fear and power. It is amazing, yes, frightening, to see how easily that agenda becomes ours. The things and people we think about, worry about, reflect upon, prepare ourselves for, and spend time and energy on are in large part determined by a world which seduces us into accepting its fearful questions. Look at the many if-questions we raise. What am I going to do if I do not find a spouse, a house, a job, a friend, a benefactor? What am I going to do if they fire me, if I get sick, if an accident happens, if I lose my friends, if my marriage does not work out, if a war breaks out? What if tomorrow the weather is bad, the buses are on strike, or an earthquake occurs? What if someone steals my money, breaks into my house, rapes my daughter, or kills me? Listen also to the many how questions. How can I raise children in a world threatened by total destruction? How can I prevent another conflict? another war or a nuclear holocaust how can I keep the Russians from coming too close how can I succeed on my own as an adult how can I keep my good name among my neighbors how can I make it to heaven a huge network of anxious questions surrounds us and begins to guide many if not most of our daily decisions clearly Those who can pose these fearful questions which bind us within have true power over us. For hidden under their questions lies the threat that not following their directions will make our worst fears come true. Once we accept these questions as our own and are convinced that we must find answers to them, we become more and more settled in the house of fear. When we consider how much our educational, political, religious, and even social lives are geared to finding answers to questions born of fear, it is not hard to understand why a message of love has little chance of being heard. Fearful questions never lead to love-filled answers. Underneath every fearful question, many other fearful questions are hidden. Once I have decided that in order to have a child, I must be able to offer that child a college education, I get caught in many new, anxious questions involving my job, the place I live, the friends I make, and so on. Once I have come to the conviction that the Russians are the main threat to our national security, many new, fearful questions concerning military, economic, and diplomatic matters emerge. Once I believe that God is out to get me for my bad behavior, complicated moral schemes start to occupy my mind. Once I conclude that I cannot be happy without influential friends, I am in for quite an anxiety-provoking social life. Thus, fear engenders fear. Fear never gives birth to love. If this is the case, The nature of the questions we raise is as important as the answers to our questions. Which questions guide our lives? Which questions do we make our own? Which questions deserve our undivided attention and full personal commitment? Finding the right questions is as crucial as finding the right answers. A careful look at the Gospels shows that Jesus seldom accepted the questions posed to him. He exposed them as coming from the house of fear. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How often must I forgive my brother if he wrongs me? Is it against the law for a man to divorce his wife on any pretext whatever? What authority do you have for acting like this? At the resurrection— to which of those seven men she married will she be a wife since she had been married to them all? Are you the king of the Jews? Lord, has the hour come? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? To none of these questions did Jesus give a direct answer. He gently